All right, let's do this. How are you, what the fuckers? What the fuck, buddies? What the fuck, Minikins? What the fuck, Astanis? What the fuck, Apinos? What the fuck, Adelics? And what the fuck, Aholics? That's enough of that. I am Mark Marin. This is WTF. Do me a favor, folks. Before you hit fast forward, if you could, my new book, Attempting Normal, is out at the end of April, but available for pre-order now at Amazon, at Powell's, on iTunes, Get it wherever you want it, but if you could, a pre-order would help me out. I'd like to know what the uh, what the interest is out there. So pre-order, Attempting Normal by Mark Marin. And yes, the there is a Kindle edition. There is an enhanced ebook edition where I do some talking. There's also going to be an audio book out that I talk through. That was an important process for me. Recording my own audio book, reading my own book uh, was uh, was daunting. So if you could do that, uh, that'll be coming out soon, too. But the pre-order is available now. If you could do that, that'd be great. Okay, who's on the show today? Gina Gershon is on the show today. She was on uh, in an episode of my show, Marin, that's going to be on IFC in May. Uh, and we got to hang out and talk. So she's on the show today. So that's good. Look forward to that. You know, I don't do a lot of public service announcing unless it directly relates to me. Call that selfish or call that just the way it is right now. But I got an interesting email that I'd like to share with you. I've been known to like cats, to care about cats. I've got a cat outside right now, a deaf, stray, black cat, a feral, deaf cat. How tough does that cat have to fucking be to survive out there with coyotes, to be deaf? He's like, I'm uh, I'm afraid of that cat unbelievable but i got this uh, you know sort of a cry for help from a woman uh, named marianne uh, not not about her but uh, apparently there was an issue there's an issue in the bronx my friends for a change in the bronx so i imagine this uh, this is going out to the new york area apparently 25 kitties cats uh were in this home of a hoarder who died uh, uh recently and there's about there's there were about 40 plus cats, apparently, and about 25 of them still need homes. And there's a threat that they will eventually end up at animal control. And that doesn't end well. But apparently the uh, animal rescue group uh, Empty Cages Collective has collected these cats and they need homes. So if you're anywhere, I would imagine within as far a mile radius as you're willing to go from the Bronx, uh, you should uh, get in touch with them because they got these cats. And that's EmptyCagesCollective.com. But it it was just one of these ones where, you know, I get this in my email box and what am I going to do? What am I going to do? Like, I'm not going to, yeah, I can't, you know, screw that. No, there's there's a lot of cats that need some help. Uh, uh, Apparently the the woman who hoarded them is no longer with us, but the cats survive. So uh, check out Empty Cages Collective. uh, So uh, some of these cats might find some homes if you're in that area and you're looking for a cat. Who isn't looking for a cat? Am I right? Look, I uh, I had Eddie Pepitone on the show recently, and quite honestly, um, look, I like him. I mean, Eddie and I have a dynamic; we have a relationship; we understand each other. But his buddy Stephen Finearts, who directed the uh, film Bitter Buddha, uh, was a little upset with me. And in in retrospect, I I can understand it. So I and now you know there there are movies opening in New York, which is a big deal. So it opens tomorrow. So if you don't mind. I'm going to get Eddie on the phone, get some details, try to, you know, patch things up a little bit. And um, let's see how that goes. Let's get uh, let's get Pepitone on the phone. 
Eddie Pepitone Industries. Hello. Speak your name and your business. Eddie, it's Mark. Uh, ah, hello, Mark Marin. Very clever. Eddie, you know, I was all set to think, wow, it's gone to his head. Listen to this guy. What kind of message is that? This is not the Eddie Pepitone that I know and love. He's something different now, some sort of monster. Well, you know what success does, Mark. It, it just, There's whatever you are essentially, it magnifies. It's like a drug. And I am essentially a power-hungry Brooklyn man who never had a mother, and that is getting bigger. <laughs> so now I you're practice. you're basically yeah. demanding people parent you on a much larger scale. <laughs> yes, I, I walk down the streets now, and when people run up to me, instead of autographs, I say, please tell me what to eat <laughs> and tell me what I should do with the rest of my life. And if you could get me some ice cream and take me to the movies, that would be nice. <laughs> I want to go to a double feature with the Marx Brothers. Yeah. I want to go to a, a matinee like they did in the old days with the Marx Brothers, and I want you to read me Henry Miller at night. That Oh, see, that that's a weird expectation from your mother, but that's all right. Yeah, hey. yeah, well, I, he's my muse, but how are you, buddy? I'm fine, Eddie. Look, uh, first out, out of the gate here, I want to take this opportunity to perhaps, well, you know, not perhaps, I'm not going to hedge. Uh, I am sorry if I offended you with the interview we did with you and your director, Steve Fine Arts. I know that there was, uh, there was some behind-the-scenes tension. Uh, that uh, I didn't really make public, but Stephen was uh, upset. Uh, he felt that I was condescending. Perhaps I was, uh, but with you, um, you know, I certainly didn't want to do anything to hurt your feelings. And, you know, you and I have a certain dynamic, and I don't always know how it comes off or how it's understood, and I brought him into it too, and, and I want nothing but the best for you. I, and that's, that's an apology mixed with some pandering and, uh, you know, a little bit of backpedaling. How do you, how, how'd I do? <laughs> Yes, well, I, you know, I, I'm fine, Mark. I, I am fine with you, and uh, I believe uh, you and Steven buried the hatchet, so everything is cool, you know? I want the movie to do well. I enjoyed the movie. I'm happy to be part of the movie. I thought it was great for you. I thought it was interesting. I like that kid, Steven, but I took a shot at him. What am I? What? It happens sometimes. I can be a little bit of a bully. Uh, yeah, yeah, me too, me too. I, I think it's part of uh, what we do, you know. We we go after things. And, you know, I'm riding high now. And uh, I think, uh, you know, you 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 were like, let's, let's knock this down a couple of notches. <laughs> yeah, because no one deserves to be taken down a notch, but you, know, but you Eddie. I mean, the, the... <laughs> I know. I just moved into a new apartment at the age of 54. I mean, how do you top that? In life. Right. Well, that's the problem. If I take you down two notches, we're out of notches. <laughs> <laughs> we're in the sewer. <laughs> what is happening? You did. You got a new apartment? 
Yes, I did. Um, I am so happy about it. Um, it's a really nice place, like lots of new furniture, and now I'm nervous that it's going to be taken away from me. For some reason, whenever I get something good, I'm like, oh, my God, who's going to take this? And, and I can't believe that I'm having that reaction. Like, instead of, like, really feeling great about it, I'm like, wait a minute, why, why you know, this is going to be taken from me? Yeah, I, I have that going on, too, about things, and I, I don't know what that is. I, I If you figure it out, let me know. But what's oh, going? You do too. Yeah. What's What's going on though? I mean, you you you're selling out everywhere now. <laughs> you know, um, I I I've had a couple of things come my way in regard to selling out, and uh, I realize now the temptation of it, and like, wow. Why are you, you being know, so vague? You, Why are you being you so vague? Up this thing. Why you are you know? being so vague? What do you mean? You've had a couple of things. Come your well, way I don't in want relation. to name a product, or you know what I mean. Oh, you. Oh, wait a minute. Oh no, no. Let's I see. Like, wait. Look, let's just look. say it's blood diamonds. Listen to me. When I said selling out, I meant comedy clubs. I wasn't talking. You know, you're so fucking sensitive. You thought I? Oh shit! Oh shit! Did you mean that? I yeah. feel really terrible about that. Now, all now. you're sitting there is worrying about like, what are they going to think of me if I do this commercial? I'm asking yeah, about yeah. asses and seats, my friend. Yes, yes, I am, and um, that is really nice. That is that is amazing uh, to me that uh, people are coming to the clubs uh, specifically to see me. Uh, I'm in Boston uh, tonight. This is your old stopping stopping ground. I understand. Oh yeah, where are you playing? Uh, improv Boston tonight. Great man. I mean, like I'm I'm thrilled that it's happening for you. Yeah, and uh, then we're going to the Bell House. Uh, and then the movie opens at Cinema Village uh, in New York on March eighth. So that's tomorrow night. That's very exciting, man. Are you? Is there a premiere or what? Yeah, yeah. It's the premiere the whole week in, in Cinema Village, and yeah, it's a premiere. We're going to have Julie Klosner do the Q and A um, with me and Stephen um, on the opening night. Tell it, will you please tell Julie that he's very sensitive and to make sure to integrate him <laughs> into the conversation. <laughs> uh, it'd be funny if you kept having to go on the air for further apologies, Ugh. like like each episode you do. Well, I mean, I, this is this is the main one, but uh, okay. <laughs> So you're opening at Cinema Village tomorrow night, Friday. Uh, that's uh, yep. that's March eighth. Very exciting. It's uh, iTunes and uh, video on demand. So it's, it's on right now. So it's coming. It's already on iTunes and video on demand. This is the Bitter Buddha. But you know, go show some support in New York. It opens tomorrow night, Friday, March eighth, all week long. It's going to be there. So Eddie, you're going to be at every uh, every screening every, every day. What's uh, are you going to be there? No, we'll be at the premiere. I, I can't be at uh, every screening every day. Then we're going to Austin doing South by Southwest, and then we go to Chicago where it's going to open at the Music Box Theater, which is an awesome theater, and do a Q&A, and then I'm doing a club in Chicago. And so this is very big news, man. So you're going to be at South by Southwest. Yeah. I'm going to be there, too. Perhaps, Great. are you guys doing a panel? Um, I think I am doing a panel. I'm doing a panel with Kamal, is it Kamal Bell? Kamal Bell, yeah. Uh, but you're going to do a screening and, uh, of the movie? A screening of the movie at South by? Yeah, we're going to do a screening as well, yeah. Do you need me to come by and apologize to Stephen? The, <laughs> yes, come by. Is Definitely he is he, si by. is he sitting right there? 
Yes. Let put him on the phone. Okay. Hey, Mark. Hey, Stephen. It's Mark Marin. Hey, how you doing, man? Look, yeah. I, if I misre- yeah. misrepresented you in any way on this show, I want to apologize. I know I hurt your feelings because I was a dick, and I do that sometimes, it, and I, I listen to it again. It did cut a little deep, but it was not meant to hurt you. It was meant to just show you that I can be a bully and a dick, but I'm thrilled about your movie. I'm thrilled at the success you're having. I enjoyed the movie. I think you did a very nice thing with me in the movie, with the animation, and you know that's all that's important to me yeah. is how I'm represented. Um, <laughs> but I, I appreciate I, it, Mark. We already talked. We already talked it out. We don't have to fake it for the airwaves. We, we're I'm good. not faking we're it. Good. This is public. <laughs> this is not fake. This like this is an evolving. No, we're it's an evolving apology, Stephen. What I, I like to like, I like to evolve my apologies. As see, like, because the first time I apologized to you, I don't want to do it. You know, I like the first time I, <laughs> when I got you on the yeah. phone, I'm like, all right, what the yeah. hell's wrong with this fucking kid? You know, I still, you know, yeah. huh? Yeah, yeah and, I, and I was justifying yeah. it to myself. I'm like, can he take a joke? And then a few days later, I talked to you again. I'm like, look, I'm really sorry, but I hung up the phone, and I still felt like, God, what, what, what is that kid's problem? I mean, I mean, <laughs> what do I got to do? Sensitive. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. so now, Jewish kid. right. Yeah. yeah. Me too. But yeah. it, it, with the same guy, that's why. Uh, that's why yeah. I had the effect that I did. And now this is this is actually the public and most earnest apology that I can give you. Well, I appreciate it, Mark. Thank you so much. And I, I wish Thank you nothing you. but luck with the movie. And it sounds very exciting. Thanks so much. All right, now, I'll now, talk to you back. Yeah. All right. Oh, well, good. Now put Grandpa back on. <laughs> Here he is. Everything good? Is everything you know smoothed over? I don't know. With Jews, listen to me. <laughs> <laughs> all right well look have a great time try to enjoy the success you. you know it's you're not going to fuck it up there you know there's you've got nothing to lose anymore <laughs> <laughs> thanks mark <laughs> i think that's true all right have a good right, time buddy. eddie thanks I'll see man. You soon. okay bye. bye okay that went well uh i love eddie and i and i love steven and the, and it's very exciting and I, and I hope everybody goes to see the movie uh in new york city because that's like it's a homecoming for Eddie. And we love Eddie. You got to love the Eddie. Come on. My guest today is the lovely and amazing Gina Gershon. Gershon. Yeah. We discussed that. I'm pretty sure I'm pronouncing it right. Oh, eh. But uh, she wrote a book. She wrote a book about it, uh, her cat. And it's called In Search of Cleo. How I Found My Pussy and Lost My Mind. It's a very engaging title. You ready to talk to Gina Gershon? All right, let's do that. Malibu who? What? I did one of these with Steve. Steve who? Ag. Why would you do one with Steve Ag? Because I like him. I know, but how did that come about? How did you do Steve Agee's podcast before mine? Because we were supposed to do it before, and I said, listen, are you kidding? I gave Jeff Garland a hard time. I'm like, I'm doing Mark's, I'm doing Steve's, and I haven't done yours. I wanted to do yours first, but and then Steve came out all the way out to Malibu where I was staying, and then I ended up getting him a gig from it. He's now in the movie that I'm going to do tonight. Really? Where's my gig? Do you, what, wanna... you mean I couldn't, <laughs> if I would have done this... Before? If you had done it earlier, I would have gotten you at least two movies by now. What the fuck? I know. And I put you in my television show. I wanted to do the podcast that week, and you were the one who were you were saying, "Oh, I'm no, too you busy." Have, no, that's not true. You have like a, a window. It's like I've got ten minutes on Wednesday. There was a problem. Your man came, and there was uh, other things. 
Don't blame this on me. You were in the middle of no, finishing gonna, your show. No. Yeah, I was. I was. But I <laughs> could have made. You. I had an hour that I could have given you. I bet if you wanted to come tonight, and it's a big improv scene, you could. I'm sure they would be thrilled. <laughs> what is it? What is this movie? What do you mean it's a big improv scene? It's a. Uh, uh, I you know I don't even know the name. If it's a friend of mine, Jeff Levy, who's one of my oldest friends. You don't know the name of the movie you're in. Is that what you're talking? I think it's called the Jeff Levy Project. I don't. I actually that's, don't. I don't I'm, think that's a very catchy name. I don't know if I'd go see that movie. I don't think it's in the name I'm making it up. <laughs> I don't know what the name is, but they, the he's Jeff a really Levy good. Project. He's a really good friend of mine, and he yeah. says I'm doing this thing. You have to come and do it. So yeah. I said, fine. So it's as easy as that. I should tell people who's here. Gina Gershon is here. Do you say Gershon or Gershon? I say Gershon, but my family oh. says Gershon. So there's there's actually a, a a conflict within the family about how it's pronounced. They don't get mad at me that I pronounce it differently. But there's two pronunciations within the home. As long as it's not Gershon, <laughs> I hate that. Do people do Gershon? Like, you know, school and stuff like that. Sure, I got Moran, Marin, Moron. I mean, Moron is the obvious one for Yeah, you. it is obvious, Gina. Thank you for pointing I mean, that no, out. I mean, not for you, but like if, when you're younger, I would have called you Moron. Sure, Moron. That was really clever. It's like a gimme. <laughs> yeah. Oh, absolutely. Easy. Gershon. <laughs> so you grew up here? I grew up in the valley, yeah. I see like I thought like when I when when you were on my show and we talked, I, I was expecting some place. I don't know where I was expecting you to grow up. Like Stad. Well I didn't want like <laughs> I, I, I created something exotic and Jewish, not that Los Angeles. Not Valley and Jewish. And Jewish. <laughs> <laughs> I was, you know, I was it, it, to me exotic would have been great neck. Yeah, even, yeah. Like no, even an island thing. I know. Everyone always is disappointed that I'm not actually from New York. I feel like a New Yorker. I don't feel like a Valley girl. Although sometimes I do if I drink too much, then I feel Valley again. Well, what is how does that manifest itself? What what do you mean? What what happens? Well, I start kind of talking more like this. Although I was a Southern woman raised me in the Valley um, from Mississippi. So if I get really drunk, I start kind of talking like this, like an old black lady. Really? But then I kind of throw in like a totally like that with it, with the old black lady. So it's a real like, I need some milk. Yeah, I think that's a, I think that's a one person show right there. <laughs> yeah. Just but... you going back and forth between your Valley youth and this old black lady that brought you up. Yeah, Jean Jean, whoop your ass if you don't get your hand on a pie. <laughs> that's how you grew up? Yeah. Where, now, what was that woman's name? <laughs> Marie Gibson. She's the one who actually taught me how to play the Jews harp. Where, did you bring it? And if you'd actually read my book by now, you would know all these things. What a dead I, giveaway. <laughs> why would I read the book when you can tell me the stories? Because if you wrote a book, I would have read it. But I didn't have that much time. I looked at the cover. I, I browsed through it. And I'm, I'm, I'm very excited to talk to you about it. This isn't okay. about plugging books. I know, but I, no, I wasn't. This is about having a conversation. I know I wasn't plugging my book. Did you bring your I'm fucking saying, Jews harp? Yes, I did. All right. But I'm saying Marie Gibson is the one who taught me how to play the Jews harp. At now, seven. how did she come around to being your uh, caregiver? My mammy. Your man. I'm not. Is that racist to say? It's she really was. Uh, uh, maybe. <laughs> no, I really had. I'm proud to say I had a man. Well, she when I was two, um, my mo- my dad traveled a lot. and My mom was working. What business was he in? Import export. Like what? Chachkis? Like schmatas? Like uh, I, incense? Like beads? Like. Uh, radios and and uh, appliances, appliances, and I don't know really what it turned into diamonds. I always used to pretend it he was a into mafia diamonds? guy. Yeah, that's what he ended up in is diamonds. Kind of, yeah. Is he still in diamonds? We don't, we don't really like to talk about it in my family. <laughs> really, you know what's your dad no, do? I can't. No, no, he's been dead for many years. He's not doing much. I mean, I hope he's doing something. I don't know. I have no. We idea. can only all hope. Yeah, that uh, that Papa Gershon is doing something. I'm sure he's doing something fun. He was a good guy, so hopefully he incarnated into. So we mean something. diamonds like down on Beverly? Like where do you have a no, store? No, 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 he had an import export business that did ev- that imported and exported yeah. everything, and then later on he ended up going into the diamond business. 
And you think it was shady? I pretended it was shady. And he looked like a big mafia guy. So when people ask me, I say, you know, we don't really talk about it. And we did know these other Jewish mafia guys in the valley. So Real like, Jewish mafia guys? Yeah. Real ones. As opposed to just Who show said, business people? No, no. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, the, the real ones when something was missing or something gone wrong, you know, went wrong, they're like, oh, you should, you know, talk to... Um, oh, yeah. Arnie. Lou. Arnie. Oh, Arnie. Uncle Arnie. And we would tell him, like, oh, you know, when we moved the jewelry, they said, you know, we left it there and they said they didn't have it. And he said, oh, yeah, okay. And the next day, the jewelry would show up at our house with really? the people saying, I'm so sorry. Really? Yeah, yeah. The real the He real sent deal. this guy over there? Mm-hmm. Or he went over there himself? Yeah. Muscled him a little bit? I don't know. I was too little to know exactly what he did, but I just remember except saying, oh, what does he do? And they're like, oh, he's in the belt business. I went, the belt business? And oh. something seemed shady to me about that. Yeah, it's always weird businesses that are just fronts. Concrete. But my dad looked Belts. so big, so I used to s- pretend I was like a mafia princess. And when someone said, "What did he? What did he do?" I'd say, "Oh, you know, he um, <clears throat> isn't the importer, you know, whatever." And I would just kind of shrug it off mysteriously. So your dad was one of the big Jews. Yeah, he was a big Jew. Yeah, there's a few kinds of Jews, and he had he was a big one, big barrel chested. Oh Jew. yeah, like James Con style. Yeah. Okay, but even it. taller, bigger than James Con. Bigger. He, he was, was a big like guy. he was like Gollum. Yeah, <laughs> he's the golem of the Jews. <laughs> the the golem is a Jew. The uh, oh, I thought you had golem. Golem, right? What's golem mean? The golem yeah. is a uh, is a mythological Jewish giant mm. monster. I just gave away what a bad Jew I am. I That's right. I didn't read things. your book. Yeah. You didn't read up on being a Jew. So there we are. <laughs> We're even. <laughs> What's your uh, What does your mommy do? She did. She was interior des- design decorating. Really? Mm-hmm. That's pretty Jewy. Uh, is it? I don't know. I always feel like uh, a lot of the interior designers. I mean, like I can do your house, and like it's like uh, yeah, I've met several. Jewish <laughs> I ones. can do your house. <laughs> she didn't really say that. Like she said, you pay me money, I'll do your house. Maybe well, that's no, a of Jewy course, thing. that's the next thing. Um, yeah, no. So they were gone a lot, and so they brought. And my brother and sister were older, and so I needed. Uh, you know, babysitter, like a nanny. So when I was two, all of a sudden this, she was really like the first black woman I ever was cognizant of seeing. Yeah. Because I was in one of those hair dryer things. And all of a sudden my mom was like, this is Marie. She's going to be watching. You're in a hair dryer? This is 1950? Yeah, it it was was in the 50s. It was at home? so much older than you think I am. Did you have one of those hair dryers at home? Yeah. Okay, all right. I didn't know. I mean, I was two. I just remember it was like a big popcorn thing on my head. Your mom had it. Yeah. Okay. And she brings in a black woman and you've got your head in a In a thing. And she introduces us. And I remember looking at her and I, I remember saying like, How'd you get so tan? Because mm-hmm. I was in, you know, I'm from the valley, so How tans were, were in. Thirteen, two. <laughs> I was like forty at this point. No, I was two. Yeah. I was really little. No, that happens. Yeah. And I remember she's like, you know, she's like, oh, I was a Negro child. I was born this way. And I remember taking her hands and seeing both, like one was dark, one was light, and I, I was. Like, really impressed. I thought, you know, well, how could I become a Negro? Sure. That's always the first thing. You want out. You, I want you know, out. <laughs> like, well, oh, <laughs> how can I be different than like, what I am? No, I like the color. And she said, oh, Chad, I was born this way. You tickles me. And <laughs> so, I mean, so she was who I hung out with. And then her kids were really mean to her. Because um, she lived in Rolling Fork, Mississippi. But her kids who lived in L.A. made her pay when she stayed with them. Mm-hmm. And so after a while, my mother and father were like, just move in with us. And so she was with me until I was 16. She was my constant companion and everything. Really? Yeah. So you confided in her? She got you through like, you know, your period, your first uh, everything. sex, everything? I No, I wasn't having sex yet. Don't, uh, not at 16. Really? But no. <laughs> 
Oh, I can see where this is going. No, no, but she, anytime I was upset, I would go into Marie's room and yeah. I didn't like cry in front of my parents and my brother and sister were like, it was like war. Between those two. It's just in the family. So I'd go and seek solace in Marie's room. So you never got like a, a, the, the the real emotional support from your parents? You'd go to Marie? Well, they weren't there a lot. And yeah. you know, my other older brother and sister, he used How to torment older? me. Seven years and five years, which is a lot when but you're that's good up. for music choices. Did they have good music at least? It was all about music. Yeah. Right? Cream and right. Zeppelin. They, it's and, always good to have a, uh, someone ahead of you. And my sister was the one who she, well, a lot of my family's in the music business, but my sister, um, she started doing concerts. At, she was at Santa Barbara. So I'd be going to heights, you know, having, I was in 12th grade and she would say, okay, you're going to the Roxy tonight. I'm like, I had a test. She's like, no, no, David Burns playing. I mean, the talking heads, you have to go see them. And I had no idea who they were. Of course, it's amazing. Right. And like, you know, and Elvis is playing. I'm like, but I have a test. No, 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 I don't care. You're going. Oh, Elvis Costello, I saw the Miami is True, good. you know, oh, right, right the from beginning. the beginning. So she kind of guided me and like, you're oh, going. And that's I'm like, awesome. yeah, it was kind of great. Where'd you go to high school? Well, I would have gone to Taft in the mm. valley but mm. i kind of got in a lot of trouble and i didn't like it there so i ended up going my parents were like it's either a girl's school or beverly high and i was like i'm not going to beverly you know i mean i was did you say it like that i was totally talking like that and i said it's like i'll go to the beach or calabasas i mean uh-huh. calabasas i don't really know why that uh, was the like choice a valley my, jap i was a valley jap. i was like <laughs> i'm so not going to beverly but then when i got there they were like it was better drugs, uh-huh. good music, good theater. A lot of rich kids. A lot of rich kids. Chocolate covered donuts and pizza in the calf. That was kind sure. of- uh, Movie stars. Yeah. Wait, what kind of trouble did you get in? A Taft or wherever in junior high. What'd you do? Um, well- Come I, on. I, you know, I, all of my friends ended up in drug rehab. You know, it was the Valley. It's like and I had older brother and sister. My best friend's uh, brothers were the dealers in the Valley. Were dealing what? Pot. Just Pot. Dude, I was like 11 years old. That's no enough. blow? There's no blow? Blow came in later on at Beverly Wait, because there's more money. Right, how, do you talk? Do you tell your age? Ever? No, I don't want to talk about that. Okay, so fine. boring. I don't care. I'm just, I'm looking for a point of reference for us. Like, you you and I the, are the same. Okay, fine. Ish. Yeah. Okay. More or less. All right. All okay. right. So boring. <laughs> that was such a- I'm uh, a girl, man. No, I know. Girls I'm not. It's I'm not, like I'm a just, sexist I'm, business we're in. I'm or racist. Or ageist. It's one of them. All of those, actually. All but, of them. But uh, <laughs> every one of those. You're absolutely right. <laughs> I know. The only thing it's not is anti-Semitic. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. You're so right. Because there's so many Jewish actresses working. Uh, well, no, there's the, but the Jews run the business. Kind I know, of. and they want to hire the shiksa goddesses. A lot of them. Yeah, that's true, you isn't could, it? You could name the really, really super successful actresses probably on one hand. Outside of what's her name? Rachel Weiss. Is that her name? Weiss. Or Weiss. They're Jewish. Yeah. Gwyneth Paltrow says she's Jewish, which I think... She, but I think her dad was not her mom. She doesn't seem very Jewish. Blythe Danner does not seem She Jewish. seems shiksa straight up. All right, so you're smoking pot. Jewish you're 11. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And so my par- my friends were getting, um, you know, I think you're a product of your environment. And in the Valley, there wasn't a lot of stimuli at the time. and so Still I'm, isn't. I don't know if you've been there. <laughs> no, I try to avoid it. No, but I was stealing. Yeah. And in fact, I, my first Jews harp I stole. I keep going back to that. Um, but I got caught from these balls. We were like fires and, I mean, skateboards. Yeah. A bike once, but I didn't, I, mean, I didn't get caught except for the, with the balls. And, um, but my friends started going to drug centers and I didn't get caught. Well, I did get caught with that. What am I talking about? When I was 11, I got caught smoking pot. And your parent, what's your dad's name? 
Stan. And your mom's name is? Mickey. So Stan and Mickey were yeah. upset. Yeah. They, they'd had enough. They were at wit's end. Yeah. With the young one. Well, no, no. No, in all honesty, <laughs> I was the one who was, su- I got super depressed. Yeah. And I remember saying to my mom, um, you know, it was that time when all the girls who were really bitchy at like 14. Yeah. They all kind of turned against me and I realized I was so bored. Why did they turn against you? Because um, I you, think I was hanging out with an, a guy in eighth grade or like I made some eighth slut. grade friends. You're a slut. Well, I was just looking for some sort of intellectual stimulation for God's sake. Sure. And all of a sudden they started doing that, you know, oh, we're not going to be friends with you. And I remember looking at him going like, fine, yeah. I fucking don't care. You know, So you were too good for them. Good for you. I was a little too good for them. <laughs> I was a little too smart. No, I just, I was depressed and I got really depressed. Like, and, like, like what kind of depressed? Like suicidal depressed? Yeah. Like the point where I remember saying to my mom, you know, mom, because I, you know, I was conscientious. I was still Jewish depressed, so I felt guilty if I killed myself, and she felt bad. So I said, "Listen, um, if I killed myself, I don't want you to blame yourself," which yeah. I thought was very honorable on that's my nice. part. That's nice. That's it's like it's uh, looking out for her. That was very. That was nice. Well, I was into it. I thought, you know what? There's got to be a better place than the valley. Why, why did it get so bleak? Just because uh, of high school and because of uh, uh, geography? Or in, I think. Um, if I, you know, if I'm not cre- creatively stimulated in any way, like I get kind of depressed. Well, what and were if you I'm doing around, creatively then? Well, what I, luckily I started acting and it kind of saved. In me high school? In, it, when I was 14. But my friends, I just, I wasn't create, they weren't, they were just all smoking pot and hanging out. And I, I felt like I needed, I was depressed. I didn't yeah. realize it. No, and I yeah. remember thinking, fuck this, I want to go somewhere else. And I, I really believed without realizing it in life after death sort of thing. I thought, yeah. I know I'm going to go somewhere else that's better. I don't want to be here. I mean, I was more depressed than I, you know, when you're yeah. that young, you don't realize you're depressed. But I told my mom that next thing I noticed is that she was like, we're getting you out of the valley. We're moving. And so they decided, that's when they said, you're in girl's school or right. Beverly High? Because right. she was working there a lot. Yeah. My dad was traveling all the time, so right. it made sense. And so they got me out, and it was the best thing they ever did. And what, well, now Beverly High, now, uh, like, what year were you there? Like, uh, who was there? Like, who were, what's gossip? Who were who were the stars and the cool Well, people? Patrick Cassidy was in my class. Which, oh, okay, yeah. And I remember, you know, being at his house and we were like doing drugs and all of a sudden Mrs. Partridge walked in. I was like, oh my God. But it wasn't Mrs. Partridge. It was David Cassidy who I had a big crush on growing up. And I'm yeah. like, oh my God. Yeah. So that was kind of exciting. So Patrick Cassidy is Sean and David's younger brother? Yeah. And you were over there at- um, We're Shirley. playing drums and playing guitar. At and Shirley Jones's house? At Shirley Jones's doing drugs. And he, she caught you? I thought it was her, but it was really David. Because I was like, oh my God, I'm getting busted by Mrs. Partridge. And David Cassidy walks in and you're like, hey, David. No, it was actually, I was kind of um, weirdly disappointed because then he started hitting on me. And it's that weird thing of, well, he's also smaller than I thought. And like, I mean, I was madly in love with this guy, right? I mean, Tiger Beat all the way. Oh, yeah. I remember those magazines. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was totally into it. And yeah. But there's something about when the guy that you oh my God, you dream of, starts hitting on you. It It's just so disappointing. He started hitting on you? A little bit. How old were you? 15. But when I was 15, I looked like I was 24. But, I looked older when I was 15 than I did. But he now. must have been, what, 30? Yeah, but, you know, he was a TV music guy. Like, what, how far did it go? I mean, he didn't he didn't hit on me in such a hard way, but he was definitely flirting. Oh. And at 15, that was that was like, whoa. So did that, was that a life changer for you? Were you like, holy fuck? David Cassidy just it made me it made me not really think like, oh I want to sleep with that guy who's so cool or you know your he is idols. tiny right he's tiny a little bit he's a little smaller than I recalled but yeah. he's just he just seemed 
you know, you don't want the guy that you're madly in love with to all of a sudden start totally flirting with you. It just, it threw me off. Ah, and I, I get it. I don't know. I mean, well, especially that, if he's like a pop star. He was like a pop he's star. Like, have some self-respect. You it know, felt make weird. me earn it. Yeah, <laughs> make me grovel for fuck's sake. All right, so Patrick Cassidy. Who else is there? Anybody? I'm in my grade. Oh my god. Well, because like you're not like a child actress, but you're close. I mean, like, when did you first start I'm doing... I'm so not a child actress. No, but I mean, you started acting very young. I started doing plays, and then I was doing a, a professional play at the Coronet, and they wanted me to stay, but I wanted to go to school. It was important to my dad, and it was important to me that I w- go to college. I just didn't want to be kind of the dumbass actress. Where'd you go to college? I started off at Emerson, and then I went to NYU. I graduated from NYU. Emerson? How long were you there? Barely a year. Oh, so you didn't know any of the guys, like Leary or... or no, uh, Leary's old. He wasn't there. He'd already graduated by the time I got Eddie there. Brill, I, I wish. Stephen Wright. I, I, like, I heard about all those guys. Mario, I only knew Mario Cantone. Mario. Mario, Gina. Yeah. It's like, Christina. Yeah. I mean, he would... Because the guy I ended up living with... In uh, college. Mario was going out with him, and... um. And we, I'd go to Rick's parents for Thanksgiving, and they'd be like, "Oh, I mean, he was so gay." So you were a college beard. I was a college. I mean, Emerson. Yeah, of course. I wish I had known Dennis and those guys there. I was like, half of it was like, okay, ninety-two (laughs) percent of the guys here are gay. This sucks. Um, And but so Eddie, but Mario and Rick, I'd come home, and we lived in a basement apartment without any windows. And Mario would be dressed up as Betty Davis, and you know Rick oh would be God. Joan Crawford wearing my things, and he was bigger than me. This was just something you did at home? I would come home, and they'd be like, Christina, Christina, no wire hangers. And in order to keep my sanity, I had this mask called Sheila that I put on. Her name was Sheila Asshole, and she would tell the truth. And I would vacuum, and I thought, I've got to get out of here. Like, seriously, I'm losing my mind. And they'd be doing just scenes from Baby Jane? Doing bits. So I know, but Mar- but they, were, they weren't, I don't think they were... Yeah, I think Mario might have been a senior then, or maybe he'd graduated. So but why, I, what, how'd you hit the wall in Boston? Why'd you end up at NYU? Was uh, Emerson just a transition thing? You're like, were you so fucked up that you couldn't get into a better school and then you went to... No, I actually, um, I wanted, my best friend went to Yale and I kind of wanted to be near her because she was a big influence Were you on Ivy me. League uh, material or was that out of the question? I was definitely Ivy League material, but I wanted Seriously, to go... Though. I, I, you, I got basically straight A's, and I graduated double honors fine, from NYU. Fine. Okay, all right. Fucker. All right. Um, I wasn't making any assumptions. And actually, I didn't, it didn't bother me. It was what the only double honors mean? Is that like a... A double... I had a double major, and I graduated with honors. I don't mean... You know, it sounds yeah. so stupid. It was just really important to my dad. He said, you could do anything you want. If I got a B, he's like, why'd you get a B? And so I thought, okay, in order to do everything I want, I just have to get A's. You had a good relationship with that guy? Yeah, he was great. He was pretty great. Yeah. Mm. Well, that's good. I wish I had uh, wanted to uh, please my parents enough to get good grades. I think I did it out of spite my last year of high school. Fuck you, I am smart. I didn't apply. <laughs> I didn't apply myself. They were all right. Yeah. Would they? <laughs> did they not? Did they? Did they care that you got good grades? I don't know. I I think they were fairly detached from the whole process. They just assume I had everything under control, and these grades would come back, and they're like, "What are you? Aren't you on top of this?" I'm like, "What do you mean you failed?" Yeah, I I didn't fail, but I, you know, I I I kicked in. Where uh, where did you grow up? Where did you go to high school? Albuquerque, Highland High. Kirky. Yeah, Kirky, man. And then I went to Boston University. Oh, see, you know what? I actually, I think I auditioned because I wanted to go to acting school at BU, and that's one of the places I didn't get in. I was that's, like, well, they have a good program over there. Yeah, but I didn't get into that, which I thought was amazing. And like, I was like, fuck you, BU. Yeah. Um, I went to a stupid college my first year because I, I like, I waited too college? long. Well, it's not a stupid college. It's just not a great, it was 
whatever you know i i uh you know i didn't do great in high school till the last year and then because i didn't want to go to what's college, stupid college kind of curry to... college I don't know that. No, it's not a bad school. It's just a little liberal arts school outside of Boston. Look, Kirky and the Valley, to me, are similar. Albuquerque and the Valley no, have... No, no, no. I have beautiful mountains, and uh, there's a nice sort of like uh, laid-back hippie vibe that used to be there, and there's also... Or, Woodland Hills used to be super hippie, and okay, it was right, pretty. I, I, I meant yeah. like the drug factor and oh, the sure. kind of like lackadaisical... You can go one way or the other, except yeah. Albuquerque has more shamans, as I recall, than the Valley did at that well, time. Well, Santa Fe, there's shamans around, Abiquiu. Albuquerque, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, definitely it's a land of enchantment, and there is that... That business is there. And every now and then you hear this kaboom because the meth labs blow up i i was i left before the meth labs came that's a new thing breaking bad is new to albuquerque oh yeah well except when i was i shot a movie there a couple years ago and to me it was like okay what's my what do i do at night it's like there was either gambling shamans or meth labs and I thought I'm working. Who were you hanging out with? That that was the choices. What are we doing tonight? I don't know. Let's go see. Well, I, uh, <laughs> I don't hang out when I go on location. I don't hang out with anyone. I just kind of explore the land on my own. No, Luckily, back, I hooked up with shaman people. You did mm-hmm. back in the day. I you know meth labs were really a much more intimate business. It was primarily bikers and people working. There. It was a mom and pop thing. Now it's, it's, a, now it's a big. It's racket. all gone to shit. Mm-hmm. It's the capitalism is taking over, and now it's. So you go business. to NYU. That must have been a good change. Was that where it's you fantastic? Uh, you became who you are. I think New York. You know, you I individuated mm-hmm. as an adult yeah. in New York. What did you study? I, well, I was in a BFA pro- program, so I was, acting was my main thing, but then I did philosophy and psychology were my other passions. Uh-huh. That's what my major is. Philosophy, were. what does that mean? What were you studying? Uh, I say philosophy, but I ended up doing more existentialism, like sure. Dostoevsky, Kierkegaard, Nietzsche, Sartre, yeah. blah, blah, blah. The regular... Mm. Um, Philosopher. The guys, the, guys, yeah, the yeah. main the, the guy. dark guys, the guys that negated everything. No, they were just individuals. They take responsibility for themselves. I sure. thought they were cooler than you know Sophocles and blah blah blah. I mean, I I really liked it a lot. Mm-hmm. You know, I liked studying. I liked school. Yeah. I mean, I, I really do. When people are like, oh, I've got to go to college. I wish I could just go and like. I'm my ready. job is to read all day. Well, I'm ready to learn. go back. I think I might appreciate it more. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What would you take? What would you study? Well, I've got books over there from college that I still need to read. I'm a little behind. <laughs> there's a lot of books over there. Yeah, you there's, really... <laughs> there's a few that I got to get to, you know, that was assigned in college. But I'm just really slow. Tragedy and farce. You better... yeah, to, do the, uh, to do the homework. Yeah, I still have college homework to do. So. You have a troll doll. See, we definitely grew up around the same time period. I yeah, love I don't know troll where I got dolls. that. Yeah, yeah. Troll dolls are awesome. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff in here. But no, I think I would like to... Uh, I tried to go back, but you know, it didn't It didn't really work out. I tried to take a class once when I was living in New York. And What did you I take a class in? In philosophy. Oh, really? What I never understood about philosophy was there was a language to it, that the way words were used were specific to the discipline of philosophical writing, and I could never really crack the code. Oh, see, you probably had a yucky teacher. Well, some of those guys that you're talking about, I mean, Dostoevsky's obviously a fiction writer, and I think Kierkegaard is understandable, but to sort of crack being in nothingness is is a fucking, that's a chore, man, and if you don't know where he's coming from, yeah. language-wise, you're fucked. You know what I learned when I was at Emerson? No exit I can handle. I can handle that. And Camus? Did you yeah, agree? I can handle that, That's but that's fiction writing. But you know what? But the, the difference is, and it's like it's like yoga, even. I mean, it's it's all depends on your teacher. Because when I was at Emerson, I remember taking a quote-unquote existentialism class. It was so 
boring. And I was so, ugh. By the time I got to NYU, I had the greatest professor there ever. And I thought I'd give it another crack. And he was so incredible. It's all about the teacher. Yeah, well, he my teacher me- was like uh, this this very tall uh, gay man who spent the entire semester trying to fuck me. So maybe- Well, it made it an unpleasant it, experience. It, yeah, it was, it was basically a harassment. It was existential harassment. See, then you should have, he was maybe trying to like- Make you stand up and take responsibility for yourself. No, he I'm was like, trying I will to, not. Fuck. He was trying to blow me. I don't know if that's the same thing. That he wanted, is crazy. He wanted something to stand up. How would he do that? How, like, how would he do that? Yeah. What would he, he actually you know, do? Well, he was just very kind of like flirty and sort of like you know if you know, if I go to the <laughs> office, you know, there was a lot of looking at me in in a way that. But I respect. Why I would you, why would you go to the office? To blow him. I mean, that's what, <laughs> Mark, I loved your paper. <laughs> yeah. No, we actually became friends, but it took a while for me to realize that he was hitting on me. It was one of those things. I was like, wow, he thinks I'm smart and whatever. But I learned a lot from that guy. You know, I never, uh, he, he was wrong about me being gay, but I, I did learn a lot from him. I mean, he gave me an But you did blow him. Right? No, I, didn't, I didn't blow him. I did didn't. you get an A? I hope. <laughs> I, I don't know if I got an A. I, maybe I did. <laughs> without, without blowing. Without blowing. How do you like that? Hey, you must have been pretty good. I, I, was, I was very charming. <laughs> you don't give yourself enough credit. <laughs> all right, let's move on. Mm. The uh, All right, so, you, so when did the role start happening? Because I want to get to the cat story, because I think that's going to, you know, that's an important part of your life. I think this is a big turning point for you, right? The cat story. Well, my cat story started when I was in, in the valley. No, that's my cats have been with me forever, but we'll get to the cat story. Um, when did you like crack and break into the biz, man? I as soon as you know what I did a, I did a play in high school with yeah. a friend of mine who went to Yale, Tina Landau. And when I did the show, I had all these agents come up to me saying, "Oh, let's put you in a series. Let's do this." And I said, "No, no I really want to go to school." Um, Tina Landau, any relation to Martin Landau? No, but Martin Landau was one of my acting teachers, and he wrote one of my college recommendations. <laughs> really? He was your acting teacher here in yeah. LA? Yeah. When I you was... were in, when, in high school? Mm-hmm. I think I started studying. Was then. he great? Because he's like an old method guy, isn't he? He's fantastic. Yeah. He's a fantastic guy. He gave me really good philosophy. I mean, his philosophy, because I remember saying, Marty, should I go to school? I can do these series, you know, or should I go to college? I really want to go to college. Yeah. And he, remember, he said, um, he goes, you know... There's two ways to get to everywhere. You know, sometimes if you're going on a journey, you could take the freeway, yeah. but the country roads are a lot more interesting. It mm. might take you longer, but it's a lot, in the scenery's better. And I always thought, that's a good philosophy to what, live. What with. was he telling you to do? Uh, <laughs> okay, I could see why you need to go back to school. <laughs> was he telling you to go to college? No, he was saying it doesn't matter if it takes longer. It, it, you might have a more interesting path. If you don't stay... If you don't, to me, staying here and getting on a series is like, Taking no, the freeway. It. That's right. Right. But did you have an opportunity to get on a series, or that was the goal, really? I I didn't have that goal when I did the play. I had all these agents coming up to me saying, "We'll put you on a series. We'll do this and that." And I was like, "I don't really want to." I, I I at that time I thought, "Oh, I want to do like what Jessica Lang does. I want to do like a Francis. I'm not gonna be able to act in the plays or I mean in the pieces that I want to be in until like I'm in my 30s. Right. And so I want to get really good and then do that. I mean, I don't know what I was thinking. No, I think that's a good thought. That's definitely a good plan. But Landau is like, he was like hung around with James Dean and shit. I mean, he was like uh, He would tell deal. a story. And he's one of those guys, like you sit down and he'll tell you a zillion stories. That's what acting teachers do. <laughs> is that what they do? <laughs> yeah, they get, they get a, a bunch of hungry minds around <laughs> who want to learn. You do a couple exercises and then they go, James Dean once said, and everyone's like, what? And no, he'd be like, I remember Jimmy and I. <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. yeah. When we were drunk once. Oh, yeah. But he's really a great story. 
storyteller. I actually say I loved him. But so the one guy that I said I wanted to go to school and he was an agent was Chris Albrecht. And um, yeah, he used to be a comedy manager. He was a comedy guy, and he said, "Yeah, good. Go to school when you're done. Come back." And I mean, I remember writing him letters saying, "You know, you should maybe try writing." He was How'd the you first know him? Guy. Why? Why were you? Because he saw me in the play, oh. and he said, "I want to be your agent." I said, "I want to go to school." He said, "Great." So the second I graduated, he said, "Get your ass back here. We're putting you to work." So he was your first agent? He was my first agent, except when I came back, he's like, well, I got good news and bad news. I'm getting out of agenting. Good news is I just got this gig at HBO. I'm like, what's an HBO? And he goes, bad news is I can't be your agent anymore. So thus started my really fucked up like lifespan of agents like ever since it's been a disaster I have no idea how like that side of the business is structured because like Albrecht is a guy he was like a a manager at the original improv in New York right then he managed an improv out here and then I guess he became an agent yeah and then he went to HBO and became the head of HBO and now I think he's at stars he's at stars yeah but it's like that whole trajectory of how those guys you know because a lot of agents become these executives eventually is that the goal like the agent is not an end game I, I don't understand it I you know I think he's an unusual guy because I think he's smart I, I think I don't understand agents I've he's like literally one of the few I've had that's been amazing obviously yeah. you know he never <laughs> he's he's I think he's smart and I think he recognizes things I think that's why he is where he is so what were your first movies my first movie well I I um as soon as so I got out of school and I did this really Pretty in Pink was the really first one, but I did this other one before called 315. Yeah. That was pretty dumb. And but, how old were you? 22? 21? <sighs> no, it's right when I got out of school. How old was I when I got out 19? of school? 19? It's like 20, 21 or something. Yeah. So you're 21. So, so it starts. Yeah. So now you're. I started as soon as I, I graduated, and then I got a play downtown. You know, so I got my equity card, and then I started a theater company. So I always I had a Naked Angels. Yeah, but then I started. You were part of the beginning of Naked Angels. I'm one of the founding members. That's been around a while. Like 25 years. Who else is in that? Oh God, Fisher Stevens, Rob Morrow. Fisher Stevens. Fisher Jeej. What are yeah. you doing? Fisher's one of my best friends. Is he? He's I like my he, brother. He's an interesting guy. He's a great guy. He really is. We're like two peas in a pod. I he's saw him on Broadway in a Neil Simon play. A Broadway, a uh, Brighton Beach memoir. Yes. God, that was a long time ago. I, yeah, and I thought he was hilarious. He's and then, hysterical. Yeah, and then as time went on, like he showed up at a couple places, and then he became sort of infamous somehow. For all the beautiful women he was with. He that's was right. with Michelle Pfeiffer right. and that's blah, blah, blah. Right. Yeah. And um, he's great. He just directed his first feature, or maybe his second, but he's he's a great guy, and I think he's, gonna be a, he's a good director, and I think this movie's going to be cool. How, how Who else was in the original Naked Angels? Oh, my God. Nancy Travis, Matthew Broderick. Um John Robin Bates, you know, he's one of the greatest playwrights today that we yeah. have. Um, and Kenny Lonigan, who's a great playwright, Frank Bulezi. I mean, all of us, it was kind of like none of us could get a job. So we're like, oh, fuck it. Let's just start our own company so we could at least work. And it was, life was so simple. It's then. still around, isn't it? Yeah. And do you still part of it? Um, I haven't done a play there for a while, but I'm always involved on the in board. some way. I'm on the board. Yeah. Uh, no, I'd like to. I, I, I haven't done a play there for a while because, you know, the good thing about it, everyone really works it wasn't like one of those companies like oh we can't get a job like everyone started working so we you know try to get together and do something but i think um it's a good group of people and we all they're like my brothers all right so you do pretty in pink but that was a, that was a small part but it, it was recognizable right yeah you know every now and then people say hey i saw you in pretty in pink do I mean, they it's a teeny still? part yeah it's ridiculous and then when when was the big movie the what first the first real break was all of a sudden i got um two movies at the same time red heat with arnold schwarzenegger and uh, cocktail with Tom Cruise. So I so, did those two. 
what I come to, I'm trying to remember cocktail. I, mean, I have to say I only saw it once. Uh, okay. What was your part in that? Did you have a big one? I played Brian Brown's. Wait, no, co- gosh, I haven't seen it. Um, Tom hits on me at a bar, yeah. and he and Brian Brown they have this kind of thing, and I end up going out with Brian Brown. Right. Or, no, I, no. I, what am I saying? I, I was Tom know. Cruise's girlfriend, okay. and then I end up. And then Brian Brown lied and said I was with him, and so we had a big breakup. So it was a, it was a meaty part. You're Tom working. was my first love scene ever on camera. He was my first. Really? Yeah. And what are your what were your do you have any uh, impressions of Tom? Not not vocal impressions, but like like working with him because I have always felt that he's definitely a unique thing. Can I tell you something? Sure. I love him. Yeah. And we hadn't met before at Rob Lowe's twenty first birthday party. That must have been fucking wild. It was wild, and yeah. I was such. A bitch. It's one of my things. I look back and I'm like, how was I so lame? Like what? How? Because I remember Rob came up to me. He said, you know, Tom's been asking about you. And I looked at him and I thought he was crazy hot. Yeah. Who? Tom or Rob? Yeah. Tom. Tom. Yeah. I mean, Rob was pretty cute too. Yeah. But Tom was like, I was like, oh my God. I think it was when he was doing Legend. His hair was long. And this is before Cocktail. Yeah. This is before Cocktail. All right. And so Tom came up to me. And I remember, I don't know, I had some bee in my ass because it was St. Patrick's Day and no one was dressed in green and I was just obnoxious. And so Tom started talking me up and finally I was like, "Um, I'm Gina. He goes, yeah, I know who you are. I'm like, really? I like formal introductions. And I'm like, you actor boys, you think, I mean, I just railed against actor boys thinking, and honestly, he couldn't have been nicer. So I don't know. I think I was so attracted to him. I kind of like was like in kindergarten all of a sudden and I just left. I said, I've got to get out of here. And I left. And then the next time I saw him, he was was at the audition. He's like, you were such a bitch. I said, no, you were. He goes, no, you were. And the director's like, do you guys know each other? Because we were really attracted to each other. I mean, yeah. it was obvious. So that's how you got the part? Because you were arguing in the in We were the arguing. No then, I, no, then I did the the audition and clearly it was genius. Uh-huh. Um, and I got the part. And when we got on the set, he had just gotten married. But I mean. To who? To Mimi Rogers. Oh, which yeah. Which I was really disappointed because I definitely, we had a little, I could tell we had a little crush on Had some other. juice. Every other scene is like, should we kiss in the scene? Yeah, we, yeah, we should probably kiss in this scene. Yeah, that's a good idea. It's weird, right? The the kissing thing. Yeah, we kissed. We did, but like I'd never that. I'm trying to. You were like, well, it was an acting kiss, right? Like you have to. You, I mean, it. Yeah, it was an acting kiss. Uh, it wasn't acting kiss. I would have used so much more time. I'm so brokenhearted. <laughs> Yeah. Well, I mean, it was in the thing. No, I enjoyed it. But I've never done acting like that with you and in the show in general. And there was a couple of scenes where I had to kiss people, but I I had to kiss you. But like, you have to talk about it for a second. I was kind of geeking out a little bit before, I recall. You were, you were like- I I got a little shy. I don't know why. It was really interesting because like- like you, you had to make the first move on me, and you were like, I don't do that. I'm like, you're Gina Gershon. I know. I've seen your movies. Do I make the first move in my movie? I, well, I mean, you definitely have a, a, there's a couple of films, I believe, where you were fairly se- sexually hungry. Yeah. <laughs> I know, but, you know, I guess in our scene, there seemed to be more it like- a vulnerable a, scene. It was vulnerable, and yeah. it seemed like I genuinely, gen, genuinely liked you yeah. and like you. Yeah. Um, so, I- also, I felt like in the scene, if I came on, boom, it would have been too obvious. Right. Like, no, it's no. always better that the guy comes to you. And it looks good, the scene. Did it look good? I yeah, because it. it was awkward. 
Yeah. Like, and that was the way it was supposed to be, kind of. See, I had, I had in the back of my head, too, I thought, oh, I'm going to turn this part into, like, a regular, because I'm sure it's going to go, so I, I'm going to come back as your girlfriend and uh-huh. leave, because honestly, like, the husband guy, I mean, not him as the actor, right. but the whole thing was like, okay, fuck this. I, my character should be with you. Yeah. So I thought if it was more of a genuine thing, I wasn't so insane. It just, you know, sometimes you just you, go with what you think. It looks great. I just, that episode looks like it's one of the best ones, really. Oh, good. Episode. It's great. Um, it's funny. Tom it's Cruise. Yeah. I'm a better kisser. Yeah, I know you don't. I remember. think you are a better, but good, I, good. honestly, but Tom and I really made out, and he went down on me in the show. I mean, in in cocktail. Oh, I remember that. Yeah, and that was. But you know what? Oh my god, this is the worst thing ever. I couldn't. Like be- you were in a bed, and he kind of goes. You just see. I, I vaguely mean, remember that. And I, the worst thing ever. No, this is what a gentleman he is. I can't fucking believe you just really made out with Tom Cruise, and I get this acting makeout. Sorry, right. it's okay. He, well, he was a little it. bit more aggressive. You should have like become not... a little bit more aggressive. All right, we all had right. good kissing though. Yeah, yeah, it was good. It was, it was sweet. Good. Yeah, it was. It, it kind of left sweet. you wanting more. Yeah, a little definitely. Bit. Yeah. So that's good. Um, Tom, I so I think our scene was supposed to be we're running around, and I have to say it's like this is my first love scene ever on mm-hmm. film, and he was like, I don't want any, you know. He was so protective because, you know, I was supposed to be like naked from the waist up. Although he's like, I don't want anyone to see anything. Although it was okay. Clear the set. Not clear the set, but my back was to the camera. And so he was very, are you comfortable? I mean, he couldn't have been nicer. Yeah. And I think the scene was we're supposed to be running around each other. And I was like, this is kind of dumb, right? Because he is dumb. So we decided, oh, it's so typical that the girls going down on the guy said, why don't you start, you know, under the covers? Like, you know, like you're going down on me and then you pop up. He's like, yeah, I love that idea. Um, and somehow, at one point, he started to tickle me. I said, seriously, Tom, don't tickle me. Like, it's a really bad idea. Like, I am so... I had the big brother tickling thing, yeah, so yeah. it's not fun. It's yeah. torture, and yeah. I get crazy. Right. And so, of course, right before a take, he's between my legs, and they say action. And he, I guess he thought it'd be funny to tickle me. And I went, <gasps> and I need him right in the nose. Like, I literally thought I broke his nose. And he came up. I was like, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. I said, he said, no, you told me not to tickle you. I'm, I mean, I didn't mean to. It was just like literally a knee-jerk reaction. Yeah. And I thought, oh, my God, like, I just broke Tom Cruise's nose. Like, I am, in, like, I'm never going to work again. But he was couldn't have been nicer. Yeah, he's a very focused guy. I mean, outside of, like, the, the Scientology thing, it seems that he... Um... Like I always say about Tom Cruise, it's like whether or not he's a great actor, if you give him something to focus on, he's very good at that. Like like if you give him tools, climbing things, wheelchairs, yeah. you know, be like he's he's really He's very committed and right, very committed. focused. Yeah. And you know, I don't know I didn't know about the whole Scientology thing. All I could say is Tom Cruise, John Travolta, two of the nicest actors I've ever worked with, like beyond nice. I kept thinking is Scientology makes Would you me work nice with John actor? in? face off oh yeah and he was so nice he gave me good food he they come over to my trailer and we'd eat, have really good he always had good food in there we'd have face nice espressos off. that was not that long ago yeah john woo mr yeah. john woo that's a great i really like that movie i was yeah. like in a john woo that was his big off. sort of american movie that was a, the yeah. john you know it, that was when tarantino had made all those directors so popular and then woo came over and did that movie Wu was, was amazing wasn't it nick cage too yeah well he's crazy right he, he he went to Beverly High. He was one of my the guys. I forgot. Yeah, yeah. I loved him when he was younger. He, you know I still like him. He's so 
I mean, he's listen, he definitely he's eccentric. He's, eccentric. Yeah. he's so good in the movie, and he couldn't have been nicer to me either. He's I mean, always, not Scientology nice, but like just normal. I think he's nice. always been good. Even like you know, I remember watching him in Rumblefish, and like in in uh, Wild at Heart, he was fucking in Moonstruck. Yeah. He's fucking genius. He, you know, the thing I like about him, and I respect about him as an actor, he makes such broad choices. It's either yeah. going to totally work or not, but like they're his oh, choices. Raising Arizona is one of my favorite fucking movies. Right? Great movie. Yeah, great movie. All right, so let's like we're never going to get to the cats. So the ones, the two movies that have made you sort of a gay icon and everyone remembers are uh, Showgirls mm. and Bound. I guess so. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Bound to me, uh, that's one of those movies that everyone's like, "You can't do this movie. You just can't." I'm like, "Why not?" They're like, "Because it's gay and it'll ruin your career." And they're first time directors. I'm like. Guys, like these directors, they may be first time, but they're geniuses. I'm telling you right now, they're geniuses. Of course, they go on to make The Matrix and yeah, 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 all that. And um, and Bound, I the script was so brilliant, and I'm like, so what? She's gay. Like I, I was, I think I was really naive. I just as an actor, I'm like, this is a great part. Like I, I've never gotten to play this sort of role, especially yeah. right after Showgirls, right. which. I knew in my gut was not going to be everything that people thought it was going to be. They're like, no, no, it's just going to be huge. I'm like, get me another movie now. <laughs> like, seriously, I need to show that I actually am an actress. And I said, oh, great. I get to cut off my hair, cut off my nails, look like a guy. I'm doing it. I'm in. Which what, was, like you know, Showgirls, what was that guy? What, uh, what, what was his, uh, the writer's uh, name? I could write a book on that. I'm surprised. No What's his name? The, Paul Verhoeven. Yeah. That, like the, the, He's a great director, by the way. The, the, who wrote it, though? Esther House? Esther House. Right. Joe Esther House. Right. The, the buzz on that thing was like, this is, it was so, oh, who was the lead again? What was her Elizabeth name? Elizabeth Berkeley. Oh, God. Do we even really, really want to go there? No, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. We don't need to go there. <laughs> but it was a disaster from all sides. You know, it's one of those things that I was excited because, you know, A, I'd been a dancer and B, like, I felt like I need something just gets me out there, you know? Yeah. And um, when I read it, you, you know- were, That's what you started as, a dancer? Yeah. In fact, the first movie, you know, I realized the first movie I ever did, you didn't see my face. My mom had to drive me to the set. I was one of the dancing legs in Beatlemania. Just just throwing it out there. I just remembered. <laughs> so when you were at NYU, you took dance? Or when did you study no, dance? No, I, I had to stop dancing in high school because, especially Beverly, they're like, you could either dance or you could do plays. Although I was doing musicals, so I was doing both. Yeah. But at school, um, you know, back in the old days, you couldn't really sing and dance and do acting. And I wanted to be a quote-unquote serious actress. So I kind of gave up dancing and singing for a while because I wanted to really study and it's too bad because today you could do everything. Yeah, well, you could probably still do everything. I can, of course, but I'm saying as you were starting, I, you know, listen, all my, ex I could have been in Purple Rain. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I could have, like, I went to Prince's thing and I remember thinking, I don't want to do that. All of my, I mean, if I looked at the universe, what it was telling me I should have been doing music the whole time, but that's a whole other story, like opportunities. But I was like, no, I want to be a serious actor, serious actor. So. so what did you, like, do you have regrets? I mean, there are things that you turned down that you're like, what the fuck was I thinking? You know what? I didn't, I used to not believe in regrets. And lately I feel like I, I start to think, you know what? Maybe I screwed that up. We well, can't I, dwell on them. You can, it's that what it should have, could have bullshit. You know what I mean? It's like you can't yeah. beat yourself up about it, but I mean, there's nothing wrong with being disappointed or having them. You know, I I don't, I mean, for better or worse, my memory is so bad, I can't remember what I have regrets over. <laughs> I mean, I, every now and then, I it, something occurs to me, and I think, oh, yeah, maybe I shouldn't have been so hasty with that. Like what? <sighs> like what? Mm, like the, um, like the other day, I was thinking, like, now I'm trying to, you know, get a show going, and I, I was doing, um, 
the only real series I ever did was um, David Kelly's uh, Snoops. Yeah. And I remember not, it wasn't the right time for me to be doing something. He kind of talked me into it and he gave me whatever part I wanted and he was writing anything. And although he was still doing three other shows at the same time. Right. And at the time I'm like, David, I just don't feel like doing this right now. And let's do this. And looking back and he's like, well, we could do it again. You could be a producer. You could do this. And I was like, I just want to go to New York and I want to do movies. And it was really stupid of me. I should have stuck it out. And, and I worked. Had, and worked. <laughs> yeah. No, but you know, it was... TV, it wasn't what I wanted to do at that moment. I was just in a bad state of mind. And looking back now, knowing, I mean, David Kelly's a great writer, like trying to get good writers and create a show. It's so much harder than I would have thought. Right. I, I look back thinking, where was like my representative saying like, no, no, you shouldn't do this. You should keep going. But I've always kind of, yeah, better, you would have worse. said, "Fuck you, I'm not." You know, yeah, exactly. Said, it's like, like, you, it's you, my career. You always can throw someone under the bus like that, you know, because you want representatives to parent you somehow, and then when they do, you're like, "No." Well, listen, Bound, they yeah. hands down said you cannot do this movie; it will ruin your career. And I said, "Well, guess what? I'm leaving you, and I'm doing the movie." And I left, and I said, "You'll get the commission, and I'm going." That I think that role got you the most attention you've gotten. You think? God, that's so sad. It was a long time ago. No, no, no. But I mean, at that <laughs> time, I mean, it was not, yeah. it didn't turn out to be, I mean, Showgirls was a disaster, but I mean, yeah. Bound, people were like, holy fuck, who's that? Yeah. Well, it was I a, mean, it was a really good movie. Yeah. yeah. Listen, you know, you at the end you of the day, you work a lot. Have... You, I mean, you've, I, I'm looking at your thing. You've worked a lot. <laughs> I, I've been a working actress. I've been very fortunate. And you're very good. It was a pleasure to work with you. Thank you. I liked working with you too. Yeah, it was very natural and it looks good. You know, I don't, you know, I'm, I wouldn't call myself an actor, but like when I'm working you with You were someone, great. Well, thank you. And I think the show's going to be great. When I work with somebody who knows what they're doing, it's a lot easier for me. You, you know um, what I mean? Because I'm very good at like engaging because right. I have no boundaries and I just want to be connected. Well, so, you're also in the moment. You have like yeah. the thing that you need. Right. No, you I know, can do and you're that. intelligent. And okay. Blah, blah, blah. No, I thought you were very good. <sighs> Thank you. Was I like the best actress you worked with the on best. your show? <laughs> <The best. laughs> is, Thank you. It's the best. <laughs> so we've got, um, I want to talk about the book and I know that you have to go shoot the, uh, the Levy project. Yes. Um, but you walked in. We we are cat people. We're, we're unashamed cat people. Unashamed. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's better when women are unashamed cat people. It's 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 a little more acceptable. But you know what? Me. I, can I tell you something? I kind of resent the whole cat person. Everyone's like, "Oh, you're a cat lady." I'm just like, "What does that mean?" I have one. Cat. You know what it means. No, I I think a cat lady. I think ever since like Grey Gardens, you think, "Oh, great cat ladies." You know, it's like I don't have ten million cats no, no, they, running around. I'm not specific. eating cat food. Did you see that? Do you see the? Uh, the action figure I have up there, the crazy cat lady action figure. Oh my God, where'd you get that? <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I think someone sent it to me at some point. Because they think so you're I, a crazy cat lady? <laughs> my career is built, my my career and its manifestation now, in whatever incarnation I'm in, was really built on uh, on sadness and cats. I can't, we're like, we're like two peas in a pod. <laughs> sadness and cats. Sad. That's what I should have just named my album when I did it, Sadness and Cats. What, you, you sang? I made a, well, I made a rec, well, see, I made a record first called In Search of Cleo, which had nothing to do with cat, but I only told the Cleo story. It's your cat. Which is my cat, because you keep mentioning the book. The book only came about because I made a record, right? Mm -hmm. And I was going to call it Midnight Girl, but then at the last second when I was going to perform it, I was presented with a space, and mm. I was like, oh my God, this space is so incredible. I should have dancing girls. I should have flying ukuleles. And then I thought, oh, I know. I'll just marry the Cleo story, which is ultimately about what people do in order to discover love but it's my my record when i did it was all about fucked up relationships and what looking were you, for love. Were you, was this like a like a choice to be a cabaret singer 
or what 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 drove you to the music direction? I um, you know I've always loved music, and I kind of got away from it. And when a couple years ago, um, Sam Mendes asked me to do go and do cabaret on Broadway. And so once I started singing, everyone was like, wow, you really sing. And I thought, I forgot, I love singing. I used to only be a song and dance gal. That's all I did. And then from there, I ended up doing a movie called Pray for Rock and Roll, which I really love. I play this punk rocker. Mm -hmm. Um, And from that, in order to sell the movie, I went on the road and I had Girls Against Boys as my band. And then I started writing tons of music. And, and playing guitar and singing again, I thought, I forgot how much I love this. And then people started offering me, saying, why don't you come sing here, this. And from there, I thought, you know, I was doing all this rock and roll. I thought, this isn't really the music that's in my head. I had more of like a country, blues, yeah. almost jazzy sort of thing yeah. in my head. And I thought, I'm just going to take the next year. and Because then all of a sudden, all this music was in my head, and I had to get it out, you yeah. know. And so I, I started writing like crazy. And so I wrote, made this album, and then when I was to perform it, I decided to marry the cat story because thematically it was the same. And then from there, and I, that's, I ended up calling the album In Search of Cleo just because I thought, oh, well, I'll just call that. And then when the people see the show, I just called it the whole thing, which now I'm kind of sad. And the book There's is, a regret. What's the book called? In Search of Cleo, How I Found My Pussy and Lost My Mind. Uh, but I wish I hadn't called catchy. the album that. Yeah. It's really about how I found my pussy and lost my mind. <laughs> I still haven't found my mind but i have my pussy oh thank god I we were all concerned god. that you were gonna never find your pussy no i found it <laughs> in so many ways um, but no cleo's with me now um how old is this cat 15 that's amazing i know he's so sweet and although now i'm worried because i told you he has kitty aids yeah but that they can live with that you, you know what i mean if I you know. if you can care for the cat it, it'll be fine but i know i you know i mean you should have told him to protect himself Listen, I know, right? It's like I didn't think he was going to be gone for that long the whole time I found what, what, him. What exactly happened? What exactly happened is I went away and I had a quote-unquote assistant who I thought was responsible. And when I came back, I was like, where is my cat? But yeah, the, the whole thing starts. I had just broken up with a very intense relationship of eight years. Then my who was that with? Ugh, the guy. This guy. Yeah. You can read about that in the book. Actually, I don't even name him there. Just the guy I was with for eight years. It's a long time. Yeah. You never got married. No, I thought I was going to marry this guy, though. And how did it hit the wall? You know, he, I don't know. I mean, he just kind of went a little bit loopy, and then we ended up breaking up. It it was just a strange thing. Yeah. Uh, What kind of loopy? Fucking other people loopy? Drug loopy? No. Crazy loopy? No, I think just he was going through like some sort of crisis. Mm. But I was brokenhearted, and then my uncle died, and Ted Demi, who I was living with there, died. All these people died. So when the whole book started, when when you went out with Ted Demi, or you just friends? No, 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 it was friends. I was living with Teddy and Amanda because when I broke up, oh, you were with the boyfriend. I was a mess. They're like, come and live with us, right? Yeah. And so it was just a series of, you know, death and breakups. And so I was very vulnerable. And when I came home, and my cat, I said, "Where's Cleo?" And she, she was like, "Well." I'm like, what? And she had taken the cat, wrapped him up in a blanket, and taken him to a dog groomer's before I got home. And of course- What, to get him to surprise you? I don't know. She's insane. Mm -hmm. To surprise me. Mm -hmm. And then, um, of course, you know, he jumped out as soon as the car opened up because he's like, this chick's insane. I'm getting out of here. And then he was been missing for three days. And so the book is literally about my search for the two and a half months through the streets of L.A., 
looking for this cat and everything I went through and the weird situations that happened. And as I was telling these stories in between music, you know, as I was doing my songs, everyone kept saying, there's no way this is a true story. I'm like, I swear to God, I'm not making this up. Well, let's go like a, quickly the beats. I mean, so, okay. So there's what, so many beats. No, but I mean the, the, the impactful ones. I mean, yeah, I'm not telling you to tell the whole book. <laughs> I'm going to do that whenever I'm like, okay, this, this topic's over. How do you jam on a juice harp? It's not a, oh, this isn't even a good one. I've tried that a few times and you can hurt your teeth. It's making me frightened for you hurting your teeth. Wow. Um, on the audio, I actually play the juice harp with Christian McBride playing bass. It's mm-hmm. pretty funny. It's such an odd instrument to uh, to sort of take as your instrument. Well, I called it the juice harp. I have you jammed with some? It was the chosen instrument. Have you have you jammed with some some heavy dudes? I Herbie Hancock produced. You, you played produced juice me. harp with Han- Herbie Hancock. Yeah, and on Paul Simon's track on his album. Which one? Um, oh God, not reflections. You know, um, it was nominated for a Graceland. No, or no, no, no. Something it was of the Saints. Herbie yeah. oh. Herbie Hancock produced it, and Paul Simon, who was one of the tracks, all these different people. Oh, okay, okay. It's going to come to me. I got it. And you jam- you played juice harp on that. I played juice harp on that. I played with the Scissor Sisters on their record. The person I jam with the most, who's a genius, is Christian McBride. Do you know the stand-up bass guy yeah. in jazz? He's amazing. And I played once with my favorite jam was uh, Christian and Ahmed. You know from Roots mm-hmm. um, and um, at a blues festival. Yeah, I played. And you just go out on stage with your juice harp and I go out and we just jam. Jews and the blues, man. So, all right. Yeah. So, wait, like Cleo, come on, man. All right, give me a little taste. You know what was? What's the catharsis? You know, it, on the on the journey, I was you know desperate times call for desperate measures. So, and I also I'm a little bit secretly obsessed with cults. So any which ones? Any of them? Hmm. Given like any sort of in cult, what way? Just because I like to go and explore them and see, you know, people just want to believe in things. But you never did the Scientology thing. I went there, yeah. You did go there. I did go there. Not not for Cleo, but at another time when you were younger. Uh, when I was older, not for Cleo. You give me an in, I'll go visit any cult for, you know, and that's more of a religion cult. But no, I went there because I had a few friends of mine who were involved. They said, you want to go and do a, you know, a thing? I said, yep. And I went and when they got to the point where you couldn't, when they told me Ambien was a drug and I couldn't do it and you couldn't go to a shrink. I was like, I'm a Jew. That's why probably more Jews aren't in Scientology. So I knew it wasn't for you me. You can't take my Ambien and my shrink away. That's not going to happen. That, I was like, you know what? This is where I draw the line. But have you ever been involved in one? I mean, uh, in like actively, like this is working for me? No. I try to be. I, I go with an open mind and I'm always like so cynical thinking, oh, brother, look at these people who believe this shit. I mean, in the book, I talk about there was a guy who had, you know, the lost city of Atlantis and people would go with their crystals and pay all this money. And I went and of course I had to leave because I thought, okay, I'm going to take the mic and be like, yes, I'm in a church and there's a priest. And, you know, I, I have to stop myself because I'm, obs- I, I'm really interested in how people just want to believe in something. And I went to this other guy. But and do he, you need to believe in something or are you more curious? about like do you go going like let me see what these people are like i want to believe in something i really do and i i respect you know people who are really into some sort of religion and it really works for them a part of me is jealous i wish i believed in something that much but i don't I but you're don't. okay with it or are you are you still is there a desperation do you feel lost um 
You know what? I, I think I'm more, I'm not a religious person. I, I certainly think I'm a spiritual person. I think that there's a lot of things, a lot of things that happen in the book that, you know, listen, I'm as cynical as anyone else, but they actually happened. And it made me believe that there's other things going on that we just don't understand. Like what? Just like, just tell me. Um, there was... Um, in the one of the nights that I went out, and you know, LA's scary alone at yeah. four thirty in the morning. There's no one on the street. And you're, you're out of your mind and sad and brokenhearted and missing a cat. Yeah, and maybe Vulnerable. have some ambient me, so I'm already like spacing out too. So you're sleepwalking, sleepwalking, <laughs> looking for a cat, crying, uh-huh. whatever. And all of a sudden, this big black man came. You know, I saw this light at the end of the road. Where was this in LA? Um, like near Sixth and Sweetser. Okay. In, in the flats. Yeah. Thank God, else you know, Clea would be eaten but um and so i went up toward the light and there was this woman in the passenger seat who just filed her nails like back and forth and back and forth with all these jerry oh, you came upon a car a car mm. but down the road it looked mm-hmm. like this beacon of light kind mm-hmm. of thing mm-hmm. and out of the blackness out of the darkness came this man huge man big and he's like sweaty and scary and, he, and i said oh and he said he goes he said, well, what's going on? I said, I, I, I can't find my cat. And he's like, oh, are you the kid? Are you the girl who's lost her kitty? And his voice was so sweet. And he was, I literally burst into tears. He's like, there, there now. And he engulfed me in his arms. And he became my guy on the street. Every time I was out on the street, alone, he's, I'd see him. He's like, how you doing? And he'd call me up. He's like, I think I see a kitty. Arthur. You gave him your number. I gave him my number. Yeah. Um. You know, from Marie, I, I talk about this in the book a lot, how I, I just I just trust black people like more than any other people in the world, okay, you know? Yeah. And, but he was just, but it wasn't that. He was just so incredible, and he was always there for me. I'd be crying. He's like, we're going to find your cat, sugar. We're going to find it. He was there with me the entire time. this is your time. neighborhood. It, it wasn't in my neighborhood. It was where the cat jumped Where the at. cat was. Okay. But Arthur was always around. And he was helping me, and he just made me feel not so alone, mm-hmm. and he made me feel safe, and blah, blah, blah. At the end of the day, I went to go find him, you know, because I'm like, oh my, and I saw him all the time. Arthur. Arthur. And I see this girl, you know, throwing her magazine, you know, the newspapers. I'm like, hey, where's Arthur? She doesn't answer me. I'm like, hey, I'm looking for Arthur. She's like, who are you talking about? I said, Arthur, he's the paper man on this beat. She goes, I've never heard of no Arthur. I've been on this beat for two years. I don't know who you're talking about. And I never heard from him again, and I never saw him again, and I could never find him. Hmm. It's pretty weird. I mean, I didn't make that stuff up. You sure? I'm well. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. I'm no, not I, saying I, that you've I'm, you didn't fictionalize it, but were you hallucinating? I think at times I might have been hallucinating a little bit, but I definitely did not. I mean, he was there throughout the whole time, and wow. he was real. And the lady in this, and so I just think weird truth is stranger than fiction. I think that's what I came away with the book realizing and weird things happen i mean the best thing that hap that happens and strange thing that happened you, you can't explain things sometimes but it doesn't make them any less real you know what i mean yeah absolutely so you became sort of um you didn't go off the edge right well it sounds like you went off the edge but you came back from the edge i mean when i was talking to the guy from jail and like I thought that's when my friends started really worrying, going like, you cannot talk to this guy in jail about your cat, because then he wanted me to help what him get out. What guy in jail? That was John from jail. That's a whole other section, because he called, and he said, I read your ads, and like- You, you know, put I ads know, where? Everywhere. Like, Classified. I had posters up. I talked on the radio about my cat. Honestly, I I was taking urine in 
in Tropicana bottles and leaving trails through neighbors' backyards so he could smell, you know, because that's what Sonia the animal you're, psychic. You're... Yeah. Because Sonia the animal so psychic you, you... told me to do that. So I did it. I would do anything and everything. You Okay. So this this is like, <laughs> there. There's a there's love and there's also a sort of psychotic break. I think I might have ha- was having a little bit of a psychotic break at that moment. I think that when you're walking around neighborhoods pouring your pee around, that, that there's love there. It was that I didn't make it up. Sonia told me she goes, "Darling, you must pee in a cam and like put it through the grass and get down on the ground and see the world through Cleo's eyes, and he'll smell you." I mean, think about it. No, I get he it. could yeah, smell no, you no, and no. leave the trail. Yeah, you better start doing that. Where's your your cat still missing? Yeah, he's gone. He's been missing a long time. A couple months. Have you gone out and looked, 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 looked? Yeah, I've looked around. Have you put up posters? A few. I mean, there's like this neighborhood. I am in the hills, number one. Yeah. Uh, there's like several missing cat posters on poles. I mean, the best thing that could could be happening with him uh, is that someone took him in. Right. So we recently, you know, I checked the shelters, you know, like a week ago. Yeah. And, uh, you know, either he got eaten by coyotes or someone's taking care of him. I mean, all it takes is wet food for a relationship to be over. <laughs> right. But that's why I think, you know, I also s- sent out postcards, like within a three mile radius of like, have you seen a cat? Just so they can call up. But unless- did any of those actions that you took lead to the cat return? I think we don't. I think ultimately, probably all of them did. Maybe no, but I mean, on a on a practical level, not on a mystical level. Did the posters work? Did I mean? Did did, did yes? Because the final person who called me, who was like the two hundredth person, called me said, "I think I've got your cat." You know, I mean, how did she wouldn't have had my number unless she had seen a poster or yeah. read, read, read an ad? I mean, I put but it there's out cats there. around here that kind of make the rounds every couple of weeks. Some of them, right. like in, and he hasn't done that. So he's either in someone's home being cared for or he's dead. And I have to live with that. And if, if they're caring for him, the reason he lived outside to begin with was he peed on everything or I wouldn't have put him out. I don't like having So he was pissed cats. off at you so he probably went to go find another house. Right. So that is not as heartbreaking as the coyote thing. Yeah. Like it does bother me that he might be out somewhere. But like in my mind, he'll start peeing all over their house and they're going to put him out and he'll come back or end, out and, uh, end up in a shelter. You know what I mean? Yeah. But like I haven't gone crazy about it because you know I grew up with a lot of animals and I love the guy. Well, he was a feral guy to begin with, right? No, he uh, you know we got him in a shelter years ago and he was feral in the shelter and he lived in the house for a long time but it just became obvious it, it took us a long time to realize might, that he was what, peeing he, all over everything. But he's been outside. Did he have a kidney infection though? Did no, 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 in? no, no, no. He was he, just pissed off. He's been outside for like five or six years. Right. But like anytime he'd come in like within 5 minutes you'd just see him back up against something and just get ready to unload on it. And I was oh, like, that's God. why he can't. That's I can't, I can't, you can't, because yeah. it's one thing to have a little pee. Well, that's kind of like, hostile too. That's like, really? Well, on everything, in yeah. luggage, on shoes, where I ate. I oh, mean, no, he it was, was mad. That he's a, that's an angry cat. He was pissed off at you. Right? Else he would have done that. Well, but, so I, under, I understand why you put him outside. But like, he was okay out here, you know, and he, uh, you know, he seemed to do okay with the skunks and the possums and the other cats. But then this other cat, I, I can't tell this story again. This is your time. <laughs> well, I know, but I'm sorry that I mean you could talk to. So I don't know if Sonia the animal I'm psychic not is still going to crawl around with my pee. It's just not going to happen. Well, I'm going to let him go well, before I do that. Uh, well, then that's okay. I wasn't willing to let Cleo go. At some point, I thought, you know what? I I could tell he wasn't dead because I'm really connected to this cat, and I would have felt it. Yeah. And I thought, you know what? At this point, 
hopefully he's just with someone else. They're giving him tuna. I had all these weird fantasies about it. And the second I really, really let it go, of course, that's when I got the call, which is like another lesson in life. You know, as soon as you really let go of things, they come flying at you. That's Yeah, I know that to be true. That's a true. That's a truism. Well, you got to go. I don't want to. You got to go. You got to go make a movie. Is it? Has it been an hour? It's just flown by. It's one thirty. Are you serious? Uh-huh. I really have to go. All right. Thank <laughs> I you, have a Gina. Fitting. All right. Thank you, Mark. Nice. Well, that's it, huh? How was that? Didn't know that about her, did you? And she jammed. All right. Did Did you know that? She knows she could do that. All right, well, uh, thank you, Gina. Lovely chat. And thank you, people, for listening. And please go to WTFPod.com for all your WTF pod needs. Check the calendar. Uh, see where I'm playing. I'll probably be playing at a place near you. Go to uh, wherever you need to go to get uh, to get a pre-order of my book, Attempting Normal, at Amazon, Powell's, iTunes, independent booksellers, wherever you want to do it. Pre-orders help out, so do that. You can kick in a few shekels over there at WTFPod.com. Might need them. Never know what's going to happen. You can uh, get on the mailing list. You can get the app. You can upgrade to the uh, premium app. Get all the episodes. You can get the uh, first 100 DVD, second printing. That's the first 100 episodes on MP3 files. Go to the merch area. Get yourself a T-shirt. Got ladies T-shirts. Got posters. Got it all. What am I? Some sort of barker? Am I a barker? Oh, my God. Boomer lives! Boomer lives!